Welcome to the Faith Talk podcast. We're excited you are listening today. Prepare to be challenged and inspired through today's episode. We pray that every fear is dispelled and your faith is increased as you hear the word of God. Now, let's listen in with our host, Caleb Schaefer. The tragedy that took place in Texas yesterday is just beyond words and beyond any comprehension, and as I watched some of the footage, I actually turned it off because I thought, you know, it just what a, what a heartbreak for those families. And um, naturally, both sides uh, are pushing their political agenda, and they're pushing the political agenda anytime anything like this happens. You know, they, there was an old saying, uh, don't waste a good tragedy. Don't waste a good disaster. And so both sides are pushing their political agendas. One side is saying that we need to control guns and the other side is saying we need to do something different. But I'm here to tell you tonight that the problem is not a problem of weapons, who has weapons and who doesn't. The problem is a sin problem. And the heart of the problem is always a problem of the heart. And until we address that in the United States of America, I believe that we're going to continue to see things like this. We've devalued life in our country. We've devalued life from conception. And we even have some politicians trying to push this this thought this idea that we should be able to abort babies after they're born. What a terrible thought. But we've taught people that life isn't valuable. Your life, my life, the life of the person that you're upset at at school or at work. So, so we've taught people that life isn't valuable. Babies' lives aren't valuable. And we've taught people that through entertainment, that there's all this, this gory, murderous entertainment in the entertainment industry that we've, we've allowed to go forth for years and years, the spirit of murder that's in, in all these movies and entertainment. That spirit drives the entertainment industry as well. And, and we see all of those things taking place. And then we see the, the games, the, the video games, the shoot 'em up video games where people, uh, you, get, you get points, you win basically by killing the most people in these video games. And so we've devalued life on about every level and we're teaching kids from a young age that life isn't valuable. But I, need, I believe that we need to get back to teaching people that life is valuable, life is sacred, it's a gift from God from the point of conception on. And one of the things that we need to do as the church is that we need to get back to Pentecost. We need to get back to Pentecost. The Church of Jesus Christ, the blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled church needs to get back to Pentecost. And instead of pushing the Holy Ghost to a Sunday night service or pushing the Holy Ghost back into a corner somewhere, then we need to get back to, to Pentecost as it was. Because Pentecost wasn't even really about a church service when it happened. Pentecost was about the fire and the power to go out and to be missionaries and witnesses in the world and to see souls saved and to see lives changed and to see people healed, not just in the church setting, but out there. 
out there. And that's what we need to get back to. I want to talk tonight for a few minutes to you about Pentecost. Because we're coming up on Pentecost Sunday, June 5th. And I believe that it's time for the church to take her rightful place. To take her rightful place. We need to get back to Pentecost in the United States of America. We need to get, we pray for revival, we say we want revival, but do we really want revival? Because revival is going to cost something. Revival is going to cost. And it's going to cost the church hitting her knees and praying and believing God. It's going to cost the church consecrating herself and getting back to the roots, back to Pentecost. And I believe tonight that we need to go back and look at the the origins of Pentecost. We need to go back and look at where Pentecost started and see what we're missing. See if our lives are lining up with what what we're reading in the Bible. I believe that if we do that, we're going to see that we're not exactly there. And we want revival. We say we do. We want the benefits of revival. We say we do. But do we want to make the sacrifices to get to where it takes? And so tonight, I want us to turn to uh, Leviticus to start out. Leviticus chapter 23. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Leviticus was uh, after the Hebrew people came out of Egypt and, and they, were, they were getting everything lined up and getting everything set in order as to how they would live and worship God. Leviticus was God giving them direction, God giving them the law, and, and, and so many things took place in the book of Leviticus. But one of the things that took place was God outlined the feasts. God outlined His feasts. I'll remind you that they are his feasts. They are not the Jewish feasts or the Hebrew feasts. They are the feasts of the Lord. He said, these are my feasts. You will keep them for all generations. And so he outlined three different feast seasons that would take place during the year. The first feast season was the feast of Passover. Passover contained the feast of Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. We know that Jesus was crucified on Passover. He was buried during unleavened bread, and he rose again on first fruits. He became the first fruits of the dead. And then there was Pentecost. Pentecost stood by itself as a one-day feast. And then in the fall of the year, there was tabernacles. Tabernacles consist of the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Today, we're going to look at Pentecost. Pentecost. Pentecost is a whole, uh, a whole feast in and of itself. It's one day, and it was the harvest festival when the first fruits of the grain harvest were presented to God. And so we're just going to read a couple verses down through here about Pentecost. It says, you shall count seven full weeks from the next day after the Sabbath from the day that you brought your, the sheaf bundle of the wave offering. You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, and you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. So God said, count 50 days. What, what, what is 50 days? Why would you count 50 days? 50 days after the Pentecost feast, he said, I'm going to cause you to come before me again with a grain offering. He said, you brought another offering back then, but you're going to bring a grain offering before me now. You're going to wave it, and this is going to be the Pentecost offering. Everybody say Pentecost. 
Pentecost wasn't something that was introduced in the New Testament when the Holy Spirit fell. That was on the feast day, absolutely. But it was instituted back in the Old Testament under Moses after the Israelites came out of Egypt. So Pentecost in the New Testament was a fulfillment of the Old Testament. The Old Testament Pentecost was of the wave offering, the the grain offering, and the the New Testament fulfillment of Pentecost was the day that the Holy Spirit fell in that upper room where 120 were gathered and they were baptized in fire and power and they began to speak with other tongues. And the Bible talks all about that. We're going to get into that in just a little bit. But this day was a harvest day. This day was a harvest offering. God said, come before me with a harvest offering. Now, it's interesting that this was to celebrate the harvest. Because when we get into the New Testament fulfillment of Pentecost, we see that that is when the harvest of souls began. The harvest of souls began on Pentecost. The Old Testament was harvest. The New Testament was harvest. A different kind of harvest because... The Bible tells us that many, many souls came into the kingdom starting on the day of Pentecost. This is the birthday of the church. Pentecost was when the church was birthed in that upper room. Peter preached his first sermon and he got up and told everybody that Jesus is Lord and told them the way to be saved, told them what they had to do. And the Bible tells us that there were souls saved on that day, thousands and thousands. This day is the day that God's spirit would be unleashed to all parts of the world. Out of this came a harvest of souls into the kingdom from 3,000 to 5,000 to multitudes. And and we can even look today that the harvest of souls that we've seen today to this point began at Pentecost. The Billy Graham Crusades where thousands of people would run to the altar. That began at Pentecost. The harvest of souls that we see when people come to our altars here at the church, that began at Pentecost. We are still seeing that harvest that Pentecost brought. This is a feast, and all the feasts really point to thanking God for coming out of bondage, coming out of Egypt. These three feast seasons were all to thank God, to acknowledge how he brought them out of Egypt, how to, out of bondage. And we can celebrate these feast seasons by doing the same because we were once in bondage. We were once in bondage, but we are no more. Praise God. Hallelujah. When we take communion, it was actually part of the Passover feast. The bread and the cup were part of the Passover feast. And so while it's a somber, it's somber occasion, while it's a, a solemn time that we gather around and we pray and we we reverence the time it's also a celebration that we're no longer in bondage i don't know about you but i remember some of the bondage i was in i remember what god brought me out of and i'm thankful today that we are out of bondage we don't have to be in bondage anymore we don't have to suffer anymore and be slaves to the enemy's snares and tactics anymore we are a free people god has delivered us and brought us out hallelujah So this was a a thank you offering 
to God for delivering them from Egypt, from captivity and bondage. And also God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai during this time. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments during this time, during this this Pentecost season. And so we go into the New Testament just as Jesus came and he, he changed the face of everything as far as worship So the day of Pentecost came and changed uh, the face uh, of the Christian, the the face of the Christian believers. Uh, They had an experience on the day of Pentecost uh, that they could not go back. Uh, When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, uh, there is something that changes on the inside of you. There is something, there is a a switch that flips on the inside of you that you cannot go back. You just know from that point on it's like a, a, it's a way that God seals you it's a way that God separates you he marks you when you are filled with the Holy Ghost uh, you are a changed person yes you can be saved I remember I was saved I remember I was walking with the Lord I was trusting God I was fasting and praying and reading my Bible but when I got filled with the Holy Ghost uh, something completely else happened something completely different took place and I believe that when you get filled with the Holy Ghost Ghost, it takes you to a whole other level in the Lord, and there's no other way to explain it than you have to have it. You have to experience it for yourself because when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, it changes everything. And you can be saved, you can be on your way to heaven without being filled with the Holy Ghost, absolutely. But I'm telling you right now, for the days that we're living in and the days that are out ahead of us, you, you ought to strive to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, you need to stay filled, get refilled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, every single day, go back to the well, go back to the source, go back to the supply and get filled again and again. This is significant. For the body of Christ. It's significant. We wonder why there are dead, dried up churches. There are dead, dried up churches out there that do not operate in the gifts of the Spirit. There are dead, dried up churches that don't allow tongues. There are dead, dried up churches that don't see miracles, signs, and wonders. And they wonder why. Well, the church was birthed in the fire. We were birthed in the fire. Pentecost was what started the church. So if you want to know how to keep going and how to keep alive and how to keep seeing the things that that, that the Bible says we can see, you've got to stay in the fire. You've got to continually stay in the fire. You've got to have the power of the Holy Ghost in your church if you want to continue on having the things that God said you could have. If you're not seeing what God said you could have in your life, get with the Holy Ghost. Get filled up with the Holy Ghost. Jesus promised that He would send the Holy Ghost over and over and over. John 14, 16. He said, I will pray the Father and He will give you another comforter that He may abide with you forever. John 14, 26. But the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. John 15, 26. But when the Comforter comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, 
who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Matthew 3.11, John said, I indeed baptize you with, with water, but unto he who is coming will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Early in John 20, 22, Jesus appeared to them in the same upper room and, and said, and when he has said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Joel 2.28 says, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my manservants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. The disciples in a lot of these passages were saying, Jesus was, was saying, hey, I'm going to go away. And they're, they're thinking, why are you going to go away? We just got you back, right? We, we just had you back from, from uh, for you died and rose again. So you're back, right? You're going to get your kingdom set up. Everything's going to go great. And Jesus is saying, I got to go away from you for a while. I got to go away. It's good for you that I go away. Because until I send the Holy Ghost, you can't have it. He said, I gotta go and, and I gotta go to heaven with my father, and then I'll send the Holy Ghost. And Pastor Parsley describes it as a tag team handoff that when Jesus got to heaven, he said, All right, go down. And all the disciples and the 120 in the upper room praying, believing, asking. For, for whatever it is, because they didn't exactly know what was going to happen. They didn't understand quite what was going to take place. They knew that Jesus told them to go and tarry and wait there for power from on high. Jesus said, go to Jerusalem, tarry there until you're endued with power from on high. But they didn't know much else. They just they said, all right, we're going to go be obedient and do what God said to do, do, do what Jesus told us to do. So they went to Jerusalem and they were waiting there. And the Bible tells us what happened then. But, but in this time, the disciples had no clue what was going to take place. They had absolutely no clue. And it's amazing to see what was happening and what took place when the Holy Ghost fell in that upper room that day. Acts 2.5 says they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard him speak in his own language. There was a connection to the events of the Pentecostal experience in the upper room and the attraction of the multitude. The Holy Ghost, when you get the Holy Ghost, it will draw people. The Holy Ghost draws people. And, and if you get the Holy Ghost moving in services, I, I, I said it today, I said if we just get if we just get, I know this is a great idea, we're going to have meals on Wednesday nights, and we're going to get people out and, and have some family time. I said, but if we get the Holy Ghost moving, we won't need to feed people to get them to come to church. We won't have to have big programs and have big, big presentations. If we get the Holy Ghost moving, he will speak for himself. He will announce himself. A fire is self-announcing. You don't have to wonder if there's a fire. You see it, you hear it, you smell it, you feel it. There's a fire in the room. 
And when the Holy Ghost shows up, he will announce himself and he will begin to draw people because the Bible tells us the Holy Ghost is the one who draws you to the Lord to begin with. So when we get the Holy Ghost moving, we're going to see people come to the Lord. We're going to see people come. You get, you get healings manifesting in your services, people will come out to see it. You get de- demonic drug addicts and, and prostitutes. You get, you get all these people delivered in your services by the power of the Holy Ghost. The people will show up. You, you get needles thrown on the altar and, and cigarettes and beer bottles thrown on the altar. People will show up to see what's going on. The Holy Ghost will attract people. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost when they heard in the streets what was going on in that upper room. People started to gather around and it was the feast. So everybody came to town to make their sacrifices for the feast. And there were people from all over the the region that had come and they began to hear the, the words in the upper room in their own languages. And people began to be drawn by the power of the Holy Ghost. This is significant because we think today that we've got to have the biggest social media platforms and we've got to have the biggest, uh, the biggest internet ministry and the biggest television ministry, the biggest whatever. You don't have to have anything if you've got the Holy Ghost. You don't have to have the biggest and best worship team. I've seen the biggest and best worship teams in the, in the country, in the world. I've seen him play in big arenas. And I've left there and thought, I don't feel any annoying. But I've sat in a room with somebody with a guitar that could barely play and barely sing that had the Holy Ghost. And I felt more anointing in those times than I felt in, in the big arenas. I've stood in, 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 in church services in Guatemala where they have just a tape player and they put on a tape and begin to play a tape of Christian music and the people just start worshiping and the Holy Ghost is there. Let me tell you something. When you got the Holy Ghost, there is no substitute for Him. There is absolutely no substitute and He can move and He will do as He will, but you've got to be receptive. You've got to let Him move. You've got to want Him to move. You've got to consecrate yourself, set yourself apart, and He will draw people. There's also an element of surprise to the Holy Ghost. There's an element of surprise. The Bible says when the day of Pentecost had fully come, suddenly, (laughs) suddenly he showed up. In all the services that I've ever been in, when the Holy Ghost moves, you never know exactly what's going to take place. You never know exactly what's going to take place. He operates in an element of surprise. And Jesus foreshadowed this because when he healed people, there, was a, there, there are very rare occasions in the Bible where you can find that he ever healed somebody the same way twice. But when the Holy Ghost shows up, he's the same way. A lot of the time, he doesn't do the same thing in the exact same way every single time. There's an element of surprise that he likes to move in that way so that we know it's him and nothing else. We can't conjure it up. We can't make it happen. He's the one that does it. So there's an element of surprise. There's the gifts of tongues and interpretation of tongues that often will ring out in our services. And that comes with an element of surprise. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, all those can come 
with an element of surprise. When the Holy Ghost comes, he brings power. Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The power was a power of boldness to reach the masses for Jesus Christ. And it became evident in the church. It became evident in the church. It first showed up in Peter's message because Peter was the one who a few, a few weeks earlier, just about seven weeks earlier, was trembling and scared to even say that he knew Jesus. And then all of a sudden on the day of Pentecost, he was the first one to stand up and start preaching and say, Jesus, the one you crucified, he's Lord. He's, he's the son of God. And he was the one. He was filled with boldness. And when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you will have a boldness about you. You will have a boldness about the things of the Lord. You'll be able to tell people about Jesus without fear, without trepidation. So we've got to stay filled up with the Holy Ghost in order to be able to share the faith that we need to share in these times. The church got bold because for a long time they were hiding. They were afraid. But when the Holy Ghost came, they got bold and they started to say, you know what? Not even that they were hiding from the soldiers, they were hiding from the government. They said, we don't care what they do to us. We don't care what they do to us. If they take us and they kill us, we'll gladly go for the sake of the gospel. The Holy Ghost was what gave Peter the boldness and, and Paul the boldness to go forth and preach even though they were coming after him. Acts 4.29 says, now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. There was power and boldness that the, that the followers of Jesus got when they got filled with the Holy Ghost. They said, they're threatening us, but we don't care. We're going to go forward in boldness. We don't care. They can lock us up. We don't care. They can take our lives. We're going to preach and we're going to have boldness. And I believe the church today needs that same boldness back. We need to get our boldness back in the church. We need to get the boldness of the Holy Ghost back. Say, you know what? We don't care what they say about us. We don't care what they do to us. If they fire us, we lose our job because we preach the gospel. We share Jesus with somebody. So be it. Our God will take care of us. We need to be first and foremost Christians above all else. And the Holy Ghost gives you boldness to do that. Acts 4.31 says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. There was boldness in events. You know, the Holy Ghost shows up and starts shaking the ground and starts shaking prison cells and starts unlocking prison doors and all sorts of things start happening. There's power behind that. There is a literal tangible power in the Holy Ghost that he can show up and make things happen. There's a literal tangible power when the Holy Ghost shows up and courses through someone's body and they're healed. Cancer dries up and, 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 and limbs grow out and, and bones grow and eyes come into their sockets and ears open up. There's a literal power in the Holy Ghost that you can feel. And then the Holy Ghost brings unity. The Holy Ghost brings unity. And Lord, could we ever use some unity in the body of Christ today? 
We got one group saying this, another group saying that. Got people fighting all over, disagreeing, people mad at each other. We need unity in the church. We got to get back to Pentecost. We've got to get back to Pentecost. Because when you're filled with the Holy Ghost and the person beside you is filled with the Holy Ghost and you're praying in the Holy Ghost, you get into a unity. You get into a unity. When everybody's filled up with the Holy Ghost, you don't have time for quarrels and, and disagreements and, and things that the enemy would try to bring against you. You don't have time for it. When you understand the mission that you're on is the greatest mission to ever be given to anyone on the face of the earth, greater than the, the, the moon landing mission, greater than any sort of mission to another government, we are on the greatest mission in the world. We have been given the greatest mission, church. And that's to see the lost saved and discipled and sent back out to save other people. We've been given the greatest mission and we've got to get into unity. Acts 4, 32 through 35 says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own because they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and bought, brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles feet and they distributed to each one as anyone had need. Listen, they believed in this thing. The disciples, the people who were filled with the Holy Ghost on Pentecost, they believed in this thing. They said, you know what? We're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that the gospel message is spread through the earth. And I wonder what would happen if we had a body of believers who started to say the same thing. We're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that we spread this message through the whole earth. They were the only ones. They were the only ones. The 120 in that upper room, they were the only ones who could see that the gospel message was, was to go forth. And they began to multiply and multiply. And I believe that they probably had that mentality. If we don't do it, who else is going to do it? No one's going to hear about Jesus if we don't go out and tell. No one's going to know the Lord if we don't go out and tell. And I believe that we've got to get that same mentality today. We can't rely on somebody else. We can't rely on some church down the street. We can't rely on some other body of believers. We can't rely on, on TBN and, and CBN and SBN. We can't rely on all the Christian television networks or Caleb. We can't rely on everyone else to spread the gospel message. We've got to begin to think of ourselves as ambassadors for the kingdom. We've got to ask God for boldness in the Holy Ghost and begin to go out and spread the message because the time is short. Time is short. We've got to begin to say, listen, it's up to us. I wasn't saved to just sit here. I wasn't saved to just get to heaven. I was saved 
so that I could see other people come to know the Lord and so that I could see them turn around and go out and win souls too. We've got to get back to the Pentecostal boldness, the Pentecostal power, the Pentecostal unity. We've got to get back to it all. Acts 4.42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord at the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily. The Lord added to the church daily them that were being saved. They had unity. And the Lord added daily. The Lord added daily. It's, it's so important that we get in unity. It's so important, church. And the only way that we can do that is to get in the Holy Ghost. Pentecost will change lives. Pentecost will change lives. And we need it. We need it. You need Pentecostal power. You need the Holy Ghost. So that when your child comes to you and says, I'm dealing with this, you can say, no, here's what's really happening. So that when your job, you sense something is off in your job, you can begin to pray, begin to seek God. You need Pentecostal power. So that when you send your kids off to school here in the United States of America, you can pray and believe God and speak over them. We need Pentecostal power back in the churches of the United States of America. And not for a show, not for some sort of numbers game where we try to get the most people. We need Pentecostal power in the churches of the United States of America because the churches of the United States of America are slipping and sliding down a terrible slope of compromise and, and, and they're allowing things to come into the church that should never be allowed to come into the church. And they're allowing, uh, allowing the devil to have a, a foothold in the church and allowing the devil to just wreak havoc. We've got to get Pentecostal power. And the thing is, there's only one way that that comes. There's only one way Pentecostal power comes. We're going to have to pray. We're going to have to pray. We're going to have to set ourselves aside. We're going to have to set ourselves uh, uh, an alarm on our phone. We're going to have to do something and begin to pray, church, because we need the power of God like never before. The Pentecostal power, the Holy Ghost, will change lives. The Bible tells us that so many, so many different things in Acts, how people's lives were changed by the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost tonight, church. We need the Holy Ghost in the church. We've got to let him move. We've got to get out of the way. We've got to let him do what he wants to do. And I believe we can still see 
the same things that the Bible talks about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. I believe we can see the same things. We can see miracles. We can see signs and wonders. We can see the Holy Ghost flow through bodies and and heal people and, and set people free. I believe we can see it all, but we've got to be open to it. We've got to be receptive to it. And it does us no good to come into a church service and expect to drum something up. We've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost every single day of our lives out those doors, outside, in our homes, in our jobs, in our cars. We've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost wherever we're at. And then we come in here and we come into unity together and we see the Holy Spirit move in our services. But if we're out there doing whatever we want to do and not praying and not seeking God and, and not, not worshiping, not doing anything spiritual, and then coming in here and expecting God to just pour it onto us, it will not happen. We need that corporate unity when we come into church services. And I'm so big on that. When we worship together, I'm so big on unity. We need to come together and we need to be ready to worship as soon as we come into the building. We don't need to sit here and, and try to wait for somebody to, to cheerlead us into getting into the spirit or cheerlead us into worshiping. We need to be ready when we come into the house of God to worship. We need to have our spiritual antennas up and we need to be ready to, to enter into the spirit when we come into the house of God. Your church experience should start before you ever leave your house in the morning. Your church experience should start before you ever leave your house to come to Wednesday night. You should be preparing yourself to go into the presence of God. Because that's what we want. That's what we need. Pentecostal power does not come by happenstance. It does not come by osmosis, you can't lay your head on your Bible at night and expect it to just seep in. That was a joke. You can't just expect it to happen without some sort of focused effort on your part. You can have as much of God as you want, but you will only have as much of God as you want. When you begin to put in the effort, you begin to say, God, I want to be a vessel. I want to be an open vessel for you to use. God, I'm going to consecrate myself. I'm going to set aside this much time every single day, in the morning, in the evening. I'm going to set aside this much time to pray and seek your face. I'm going to fast this many meals a week. I'm going to set this time aside so that I can seek your face I'm going I'm to search you out, God. I'm going to come chasing after you because, God, you said if I draw nigh to you, you'll draw nigh to me. And, God, I'm believing you that I am going to have Holy Ghost power and operation in my life. And, God, I'm believing you that through it all, we're going to come together and have the greatest church services that we've ever seen. And we're going to see the most amount of souls come into the kingdom that we've ever seen. We're going to see deliverances like we've never seen before. We're going to see bodies healed. We're going to see people get up out of wheelchairs and up out of hospital beds. God, we're going to get down to the hospital and pray. And while we're praying for one person, the person in the room beside them is going to get healed too. And the next person down the hall is going to get healed too. God, we're believing for Pentecostal power in operation in our lives. We've got to get back to it. That's where we were born, church. It's where we were born. 
So the church's birthday is coming up. Not this Sunday, but the following Sunday. And I'm encouraging you over the next week and a half here, as we head for Pentecost Sunday, begin to consecrate yourself. Begin to set yourself aside. Begin to pray and begin to say, God, I want Holy Ghost power and operation in my life. God, I don't want to go through life just haphazard. I don't want this walk with you to just be whatever happens. God, I'm not just trying to make it to heaven. I'm trying to take somebody with me. I'm not just trying to get to heaven, God. I want when I pray for someone to see results. When I lay my hands on someone, I believe, God, they're going to get healed. When I lay my hands on someone, I believe that whatever demonic spirit is oppressing them, that they're going to get set free from that thing. I'm believing, God, that whatever it is, I'm believing, God, that I'm going to have Holy Ghost power and anointing in operation in my life. And, God, I'm not going to be satisfied until I see it take place. So, God, whatever I have to set aside and whatever I have to do, God, if you want me to cut the cable bill and, and, and say I'm not having TV in my house because I'm wasting too much time on it. God, if you want me to delete my Facebook account because I'm spending too much time on it and I need to be in prayer. God, if you want me to, to cut back on leisure activities, God, whatever it is, I want to consecrate myself. Because I want to see your Holy Ghost power and operation in my life. Back in about October, I had this feeling down on the inside of me where I got frustrated with myself because I didn't feel like I had power. I didn't feel like I had any sort of authority in the spirit. Yes, I'd get up and lead worship and take up the offering and preach and pray and all that kind of stuff and all that. Hey, there was anointing on it, but I mean that anointing that when someone says, I am oppressed, I am, I am under a heavy burden, I'm under this sickness, whatever it is, I felt like I didn't have any power when I laid my hands on them to pray. And I say, God, I need to know what to do to begin to correct that. Because God, I want Holy Ghost power in my life. And I began to pray and fast and get into my word. And I probably fasted more in the last eight or nine months than I've ever fasted in my entire life. Ask my family, they'll tell you there are just days where I say not eating. And that's not to toot my own horn. And that's not to say that I've achieved any sort of spiritual level where there's just Holy Ghost, I'm not walking around in the glory cloud. But that's to say we're all going to have to lay something aside in order to see the power and presence of God move in our lives. And I think that that's what we need more than anything in the church. Because we lack power. We lack power 
We need the power of the Holy Ghost. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And the first thing I want to do is ask if there's anyone that's not saved. I'm just going to pray a sinner's prayer. If you don't know the Lord or you've been away from him for a while, I want to pray this prayer and ask you to pray it along with me. Church, you can pray it along with me too. It's just a sinner's prayer, just committing your life to the Lord. Just say, Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I know I'm a sinner, but I believe Jesus is your son, that he died on the cross and that he rose again. I ask you to wash me in the blood that he shed on the cross. Forgive me of every sin and make me your child. Help me to live for you. Fill me with your Holy Ghost today. In Jesus' name, amen. And today, if you say, you know what? I need more of the Holy Ghost. I need more power in my life. I need to be filled with the Holy Ghost every single day. I'm just going to ask you to find a spot, whether it's at the altar, whether it's at your seat, wherever you feel led to find a spot. And let's just pray for a few minutes. Say, God, do I need to consecrate myself in a fresh way? God, do I need to lay something aside? Do I need to pray more? Do I need to fast? What do I need to do, God? What do I need to take out of my life? What's the distraction? What, what is the besetting sin? What is it, God, that's in my life that's holding back the flow and the move of the Holy Ghost? Because, God, there's nothing I want more right now than to have the power of the Holy Ghost in my life. I'm just going to pray, and you can pray wherever you're at. But let's just ask God to move. Father God, tonight, I praise you. God, that you said we could come to you. And God, as we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. God, you said if we seek, we would find. If we knock, the door would be open. And God, tonight, we're knocking. God, we're asking in this place, what is it, God, that we need to do to get ourselves in line with the Holy Ghost? God, we want Holy Ghost power in our lives. We want authority in our lives. God, we want to pray and see change. We want to pray and see a move. We want to pray, God, and see your hand in our lives. God, I'm believing for you to do great things. God, I'm believing for you to open the door that when I pray, God, demons tremble. God, when I pray, sickness flees. God, when I pray, lives are changed. God, when I pray, people are delivered. Lord, I pray tonight that we would have Holy Ghost power in our lives. So Lord, if we need to fast, if we need to seek you in a fresh way, if we need to pray more, show us where it is. Show us what it is, God. We'll be faithful to do it. God, we don't want to continue to wander with no power. God, your church, the church as a whole needs to return to Pentecost. Take us back to our roots. Help us to remember, God, Help us to remember where we were born. 
Help us to remember, God, what, what the church did, how the church started. Help us to never forget, God. We were born in the fire. And God, I pray that the fire would be what we would carry. God, we need it. We need Holy Ghost power like never before for our families, for our kids. We need Holy Ghost power for our relationships, for the people we care about, for our co-workers. God, I pray that each of us would be filled and refilled continually over and over. So, Lord, when we pray, we have authority. When we pray, we see things move, mountains will move, God, demons will travel. God, have your way And God, fill us with Holy Ghost power. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can continue to pray where you're at. If you need to go, God bless you. Pray that you're blessed. Don't forget next Wednesday, we're gonna start our family nights, 6.30 p.m. Come on out and join us. It's gonna be a great time in the morning. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Faith Talk Podcast. If you would like to connect with the host, you can do so on Facebook at Caleb Schaefer Ministry, on Instagram at Caleb underscore Schaefer, or by visiting www.calebschaefer.com. Be sure to check out Caleb's worship albums on iTunes, Amazon Music, and wherever digital music is sold or streamed. If you've been encouraged today, please share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. May God bless you. I remember to tune in next week for another episode of the Faith Talk Podcast.